Hey Anthem, thanks for joining us today at Anthem Online this Memorial Day weekend. I want to be the one that says we're grateful on behalf of our church and of course uh, everywhere just to be grateful for those who have paid the ultimate price and the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the protection and uh, in the safety of our country. And so that's kind of our, our primary thought and remembrance this morning. Anthem, as we've been talking over these past few weeks about the art of neighboring, we, we issued that challenge five weeks ago that you would just think about finding ways to learn the names of the eight closest houses or neighbors, apartments, condos, whatever it might be, to where you live in a bid to start the process of loving our neighbors as Christ loved us and uh, loving our neighbors as ourselves and fulfilling the second part of the great commandment. And so uh, we're coming to kind of the conclusion of that today. And, uh, and it, 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 it's, it's struck me as we've continued with this series that it just starts with that idea of learning people's names. Of course, how does that accomplish anything in and of itself? Uh, that doesn't mean that we therefore love our neighbor as ourselves just because we know their names. It's a starting point and it's often that, that very simple starting point that we wanted to give uh, all of you as a challenge for this uh, season we're in where the sun is coming out, the weather is getting better. We've all got more opportunities now. Well, the pandemic is, has been subsiding rapidly, of course, in Massachusetts recently. So people are more, uh, you know, more, uh, interested in, in, in making friends in their neighborhood, talking to people in their neighborhood that perhaps six months ago they weren't. And so as we continue, just issue this challenge every week, learn people's names, learn people's names, learn people's names, because we believe that as we get this into our minds and get it into our hearts and our heads, it'll be a, not just something that we can be challenged to do for this series of talks anthem these few weeks, but this could affect our whole lives. Like the way you posture yourself in your neighborhood could be changed forever. And we think it's the best way to live. But there's a challenge that I wanna to issue to you as we conclude this series of talks today. And that is that we move from a point of acquaintance to actual relationship. And this is where it gets uncomfortable, right? Because if there was a level of discomfort in learning someone's name, there's even more levels of discomfort and work and energy and thought and care and concern involved in saying, I want to have an actual relationship with the people that God has put around me in my neighborhood. Now, when you read about Jesus, it seems like he was regularly at events regularly at gatherings or parties. You know, you think about some of the cookouts that maybe your neighbors have, uh, and maybe they invite some of their friends from in a broader area than the neighborhood, but maybe there's occasions when you and I, as followers of Jesus, have a tendency to separate ourselves from those opportunities that God might be putting in front of all of us to, to actually neighbor well. And when I read about Jesus, it seems like he was an expert about getting groups of individuals who were not his followers and then getting groups of individuals who were his followers and putting them in the same room, being the host or being one of the people uh, in that gathering and not having a problem with that at all and being totally comfortable in that messy setting of people together in a room or in a backyard who may have very different values to one another. 
And Jesus was regularly at these kind of gatherings. And I believe as we're going to continue to follow Jesus at a deeper level, and as we're going to continue to know what it is to love our neighbors as ourselves and be serious about that, we're probably going to be in the same place that Jesus ended up. And there were times when Jesus made religious people feel uncomfortable. He made religious people feel uncomfortable because religious people tend to want to keep everything in religious boxes and tend to want to keep every non-religious thing in a, in a separate box over there. And Jesus was doing this all the time. And I want to read a passage of scripture today that perhaps is often uh, used not to describe neighboring. It's often used as a description of extravagant, abandoned worship. And today we want to I want to just take a slightly different twist on it because I believe there's other things to learn from it today that we could pick out of this. And uh, it starts out real clear. Luke chapter 7, verse 37. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made from alabaster, filled it with the most expensive perfume, went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with the tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed Jesus' feet. Then she opened her flasks and, uh, flask and anointed his feet with, with the, her costly perfume as an act of worship. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would have known what kind of sinful woman is touching him. And Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. And in some translations, it says Jesus, knowing what Simon was thinking, said he wanted to speak to him. And isn't that kind of freaky that Jesus right there knew what Simon was speaking? He said, go ahead, teacher. I want to hear it. And, and Jesus began to describe this situation of somebody who, had, who owed a small debt to a banker and somebody who owed a huge debt to a banker, the difference between $1,000 and $100,000. And he asked Peter those questions. He says, out of those two people, who would you say is most happy about the debt that has been repaid? And Peter, Simon Peter said, well, I suppose it was the one who owed the largest debt. You see, as you read this passage of scripture, you realize it starts out in a, in a neighborhood context. It says in the neighborhood, in the neighborhood of where this, this gathering was of this religious teacher, where the gathering was taking place, there was a woman known to be a woman of the streets. She was known to all as a prostitute. And I think as you read that, you've got to just pause there for a second to think, okay, this is a neighborhood-based conversation that's taking place here. And there's clearly somebody in the neighborhood that people, that everybody, that we do not associate with. And as, as this passage unfolds, you recognize that this woman is given complete and total access to Jesus. She comes to Jesus. The Bible says she's broken and weeping. And despite the fact that she is a woman who in every way brings down the neighborhood, she has a past and therefore she's probably got a similar future, or at least this is what they were thinking. 
And if we hang with her, it's going to get talked about. It's going to get recorded. It's going to get, it's going to get written down. It's going to get remembered. And really, when you think about it, she's in as a much bigger a mess than we all are. So we like to keep her at arm's length. In fact, she's the one that helps us define how good we are by how bad she is. If there's a scale of goodness from one to 10 with one being great and 10 being bad, then the fact that she exists and the fact that we can call her a 10 on that badness scale helps us to think piously about ourselves and how we don't need to be coming to Jesus broken and weeping, but we just need to be coming to Jesus with our heads held high because everything's fixed. And when you read about this woman and this interaction that she had with Jesus, although I don't have time to go into the details of it today, you can tell that Jesus was willing to step into the discomfort. He was willing to step into a situation that perhaps uh, he and his followers and those around him felt uncomfortable with because it provided an opportunity for a person who was broken, a, per, a person who was ostracized, a person who was left, normally left out of the gatherings and the parties to have complete access to Jesus. You see, Jesus seemed to be comfortable in the presence of sinful people. And quick time out here, it's not like that affected Jesus or dragged him down or changed who he was. He, he was clear about who he was. And that's an important thing for us to know that we're clear about who we are. But we are not going to make other people feel at discomfort to the point where they can't interact with Jesus in our neighborhoods because of who we are. Do we think carefully when we post something on social media about those who are around us who don't live the way that we do? Do we think carefully about what we post in the way that it might impact them? Or are we posting to a churched crowd? Are we posting to that community with whom we feel the most level of comfort? And right there, even on our social media, you are posting to a gathering of believers and non-believers every time you open up a conversation. And every time we open up a conversation in our neighborhoods, we are starting a conversation with believers and non-believers. And remember, our goal and our responsibility is to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so as this series comes to a close, I want to encourage you and challenge you today to up the stakes on the way that you think about loving your neighbor as yourself your neighbor who completely disagrees with everything that you stand for, your neighbor who has a very alternative lifestyle compared to yours, your neighbor who lives in and out and travels from here to another state and you don't see them very often, you have to work even to make the slightest connection, your neighbor who has different values, your neighbor who perhaps you keep your kids away from their kids or the various safety things that you might put in place. But are we willing to love our neighbors as ourselves with whoever God has put around us? Now, that's my challenge to you that over, not for these next few weeks, but over our lives, we will, we will take these thoughts, take these teachings, take this, this, this book that we read, The Art of Neighboring, and, and, and apply it to our lives in 30 or 40 years' time. 
because I believe that everything that you read in that book and everything that we've shared in this content is, is not just something that will change over time. Maybe the, the iPhones that they talk about will be an iPhone 300 or something in 20 years time when you, when you apply this material again. But other than that, this goes through the ages because it, it's, it's the timeless truths and teaching of the New Testament. And we try to engage various ways over these last few weeks, engaging the content of, of reading the book, of talking on our Anthem community Facebook page, of, of having those fridge cards or those, those tic-tac-toe boards where you can write in names. We've engaged different speakers. We've engaged the stories of Mikey and Brittany a couple of weeks ago. And, and last week, Drew Thurman just sharing so, so well about how our motives matter as we love our neighbors as ourselves. But to close out today's talk, I wanted to share just with a few of you. And just earlier, I asked uh, three people who I know who have been putting this stuff into practice in their lives and in their neighborhoods, just to share a few of their thoughts on a Zoom call that I recorded earlier with them. And I could have picked many of you because so many of you have been sharing with me and sharing with us just how this has been impacting you. And so here's just a few thoughts from a few Anthem friends about how they are putting this, this teaching into practice in their own lives. Well, I'm here with my friends, Rachel and Milner and Phil, and I'm just excited to have a little bit of a conversation with you three guys as to how you've been reflecting on um, these last few weeks of uh, talks and conversations around the art of neighboring at Anthem. I feel like this has been one of the most sort of hands-on and sort of simple but really hard things at the same time that we've been able to deal with as a community. And so rather than it just be me speaking this last week, I wanted to engage some other voices a little bit. So uh, let me start out with you, Rachel. We just had a quick conversation last night and you just told me about some of just the subtle differences that you've made in your own family's life as a result of what you've been hearing. Tell us a little bit about that. So we actually bought a house January timeframe and we've been looking at putting in a fence and, you know, we always assumed that we would have this tall privacy fence, right? Like six feet tall and have our own little fort in a way. It's just something we always into, like, expected. And so as we prepared for that fence, we've been clearing a ton of brush. We had people from the church come and help and everything. And it's opened a lot of doors where our house is very unique in that it's situated on three streets. So it's just completely, there's nine neighbors roughly that we can see and talk to from our house. So as we would work outside or I would play outside with our daughter, we would get to have all these wonderful conversations with people. And so we were realizing, you know, after we put up the privacy fence, like we won't have that as much. And it was kind of tugging on us, but we, not the point that we didn't want to have a privacy fence, you know, it was, it's what we always expected we would do. But then when the series started, I just, we realized that we didn't want to lose that connection and that we think that it was more than just a nagging on us. You know, we think it was the Lord and saying, don't lose this connection. So what did you end up doing? So we decided to instead um, get something kind of like a wrought iron aluminum fence, but it's not privacy at all. It's like the black aluminum fencing where you still are able to contain toddlers and dogs pretty well, um, but you don't lose yeah, that connection with your neighbors. And, and we feel like a really big piece about it, you know? And it's, it was surprising that we realized that we were going to go this other direction, but it felt right, especially as the series continued. It just felt like this is what we should do. Yeah. And you're like pretty new in that neighborhood, right? So you've got a great chance 
decide this is how we're this is kind of how we're going to be in this this is the new version of the dahas you know in in this neighborhood and who we're going to be as far as reaching out to our neighbors so that's a big piece of it phil tell us what it's been like for you and sandy i know you kind of had a, uh, just some desires to reach out to your community and to connect with people you live in framingham right and um yeah. tell us a little bit about what's going on there I'm more of an introvert uh, by nature. I want to reach out to my neighbors, but it's kind of hard to uh, break through. A lot of them are also probably introverts. And and also some other ones have a lot of relationships with each other, so they get along really well. But I think I've been known as the Christian, you know, so there's some uh, breaking in, as it were. And I, I this was really helpful for me, this, this whole sermon series, to not see a, a neighbor as a project, but rather to see them as a friend, you know, and to love them as you, as you love yourself. And yeah, I think you've been, you, yeah, that was one of the key points, wasn't it? That we're not looking at our neighbors as necessarily people that we're trying to just, the goal is evangelize, but the goal is to love, you know? And so have you, have you found any ways in the last few weeks that you can express that or Sandy and you yeah. can express that in some ways? Yeah, there was a, a neighbor that's nearby that I hadn't spoken to for about two years. And um, I think I might have caused offense by asking about trimming a tree, you know, a while back. And it had really been nagging on my on my mind, you know, so I prayed about it and was able to have a great conversation with her even within a week. So that was an answer to prayer. And it was really good to see that, no, actually things are fine. She's been busy and I've been busy and at least that's what happened. So I think right. now when it's opened a doorway, so that's been really helpful for me. Yeah, fantastic. I love it that we're, as, as, as I'm thinking about this, you guys are, we're already spread out. Rachel's in Westford, Phil's in Framingham. Milner, you're in Boston, right? Tell me, Milner, like how the, the talks or the series has impacted you in some way and anything that you sense God doing where you live. So with me, I live in an apartment and we have like uh, three floors. I'm not, I'm not like the chatty one or I'll be like, I'll say a quick hi or hello, you know, smile back. But I never knew people's names ever. Like we'll just go right um, and engage in a conversation, you know. Uh, without knowing each other's names. I remember the first, uh, the very first summary that was preached, that was literally a highlight. Like, do you know your neighbor's names? I look in my apartment and I'm like, I talk to everybody on my floor, but I don't know their names. Uh, we go as far as, you know, if Amazon brings a package, you know, you, you sit in the hallway, you like press on their door because of the number, not because of their name. So the very first Sunday, after the first Sunday, when the message was preached, an opportunity presented itself. And I found um, my neighbors in the hallway discussing. And I jumped right in. You know, I call it a cheat, a cheat date, because, you know, I didn't have to go through the hassle of like knocking on each door like, hey, like, here's some pie. What's your name? You know, <laughs> Like, we would just deliver each other's packages just because of the number. So it shows how lazy we were to, like, not even read the names, but mm -hmm. you read the apartment number. So mm -hmm. when I found my neighbors in the hallway, that's when I literally got in. Like, at least this time I got engaged, but with the purpose of knowing their names. So when we got engaged, it's like, hey, oh, by the way, I'm Milna, like, what's your name? And, you know, when I brought it up, everybody was like, oh, my God, like, we've been talking to each other and we do not know our names. So it was like, a, it was a funny, very, very funny moment. And we exchanged names. And ever since then, it's so I made a point, like, if I'm knowing somebody, I have to know your name. Smile, open the door, kind words, 
hi, how are you doing today? You know, you look smart. Little compliments. In a way, I kind of feel like they warm people up, get easier for them to talk to you. And then that's how you can engage. Oh, by the way, I'm Milna. What's your name? So. Yeah, yeah. That is just fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, Milna, for sharing. Any other thoughts that you guys have as we've been talking about this that you think, oh, I wanted to say this. I just wanted to share something else. Anything on your mind? Yeah, I just love how there's so many times that we, I remember as a kid, I would think about the times I would share my faith and that it would be the one-off time, right? It's the stranger that just wants to hear about Christ. And that is how I'll share about Christ, you know, like that's what you do. And then the more I've grown, it's been like, no, it's relational. Yes, you'll have those opportunities, hopefully, but a lot of it is relational, it speaks volumes when you remember someone's name. I remember, and when people remember my name, yeah. you know, I just, it's very, it's touching. Just like, man, people are busy and I appreciate it that you remembered my name or my kid's name or whatever, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think of about a neighbor that I just met last week, who's a few doors down that I had heard his name from another neighbor. And then of course, now making a point to remember names. And I almost know he's going to be shocked if I see him in another week or two and I say, I call him by his name, you know, it's just, we're so conditioned, aren't we, to hear a name and then forget it immediately. I think what I, I like about what we've been talking about as a, as a community and re- reading this material is that this is the kind of stuff that could impact all our lives for the rest of our lives, right? It could sort of reposture the way that we think about loving our neighbors as ourselves. Guys, thanks so much for sharing. We'll hopefully do this more, not with you three, but with some other people too. We'll just keep this kind of thing going because I really enjoy getting to uh, hear a few other voices. Thanks for joining me tonight. Really appreciate it. Anthem, today my prayer is that not just for a few weeks, not just through this summer, although it is a great opportunity, not just through the end of 2021, but through our lifetimes, we will engage in loving our neighbors as ourselves as we learn and grow and understand more and more about how that is part, a distinct part of our calling as followers of Jesus. And my prayer for each one of us, for you and for me, is that we won't shrink back, but, but we will be willing when God calls us to do so, to step into discomfort, to see those broken and weeping come to the feet of Jesus eventually because we are loving our neighbors as ourselves.